Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the seventh episode of the Psychology of Lockdown series. I am joined once again today by George Roche of the uh, Line International, and we are talking today about the fantastic imagination as we continue to uh, elucidate the characteristics of the mystified personality as put forth by a psychotherapist, John Bradshaw, in uh, what is called family systems therapies. What we've been doing is tying together uh, how a dysfunctional family works and linking it in with uh, how our dysfunctional relationship with authority, i.e. government, works uh, in the bigger picture. And um, the more that we go through these characteristics, uh, the more amazing it becomes and the more amazed that I am at how this is really accurately describing the political dialogue that we're having with people these days, especially those of us who are uh, who question the lockdown narrative. And when you question the mainstream narrative, uh, why are you just getting hammered? Why are we not allowed to have these uh, logical debates with critical thinking where we're actually discussing science and scientific studies and, uh, and you know, incorporating new information into our worldviews? Why aren't people capable of changing their minds when confronted with new information? Or so many people don't even listen. They don't even pay attention when you give them new information. Hey, we've been in lockdown now for almost 12 months and coronavirus is a worse problem than ever. What's going on? Maybe this lockdown practice doesn't work. You get crickets or you get even worse. Uh, you get shamed or you get berated or people are instantly triggered. They're not going to talk with you using critical thinking. They're going to just hammer you with uh, a consensus of scientists is saying this. And then you look at what about all this peer-reviewed literature that says otherwise. I don't think there's a consensus in science and they just can't hear. So today we're going to discuss the fantastic imagination, which ties into all of this. And I'll just let George take it away. George, you want to let people know uh, about the fantastic imagination and how it works? Sure. Actually, we, there's a title for the fantastic imagination today, which many of us have heard about now. It was once a conspiracy theory mm -hmm. uh, a few months back, but it's uh, it's Klaus Schwab's The Great Reset, right? <laughs> who is going to not just fantastically imagine, but reimagine the world, as he said. Sure. And Trudeau, our prime minister echoed those words. In fact, all of the leaders who have come into contact with Klaus Schwab's book are on board with this reimagining of our world that we live in, in many of our institutions from legal to educational uh, to mm -hmm. uh, uh, municipal governments, etc. This is pretty fantastic as an imaginative ideology. So again, uh, this all being another branch off of the same tree of mystification, that we have been talking about, it's very clear that there's a lot of fantastic imagination in this Great Reset. What is deemed by a number of premiers in the country and other politicians like-mindedly, that th this is basically failed socialist, leftist ways of doing things that mm -hmm. you know haven't worked in the past. And here we are once again attempting it under a new banner, um, a new distraction uh, under the virus of 19. So clearly what's happening right now is once again, our ignorances are being preyed upon. Several distractions. The way people get set up in fantastic imagination is again in the childhood climate. 
when this stuff is ingrained in a person, it's very easy to manipulate it with similar kinds of tactics that we were raised on. This is no accident when people can actually get onto this. So what is a negative hallucination? Uh, I said to you earlier, you put your pen down, you look for it a few seconds later, you can't find it. You're looking around all over the place. Mm -hmm. There it is right in front of you, right where you put it. That's a negative hallucination. It's there, but you don't see it. Somehow you missed it. The positive hallucination is I'm sitting in a meeting at work or I'm in a relationship I'm not happy with. So I imagine I'm on the golf course. See, that's a better place for my head to be right now. I don't want to be where I am. I got to get out of where I am right now. So I'm going to fantastically imagine uh, being on the golf course or, uh, you know, being out for a nice dinner or playing tennis, something other than the monotony of what one is doing. How do you get set up in that? By growing up in the environment where there's a lot of stuff going on that you don't want to be a part of. You start to go other places in your head mm -hmm. as a way to survive the elements of what you're dealing with. Now, the extreme parts of the fantastic imagination are notable in uh, different levels of abuse. <clears throat> Pardon me. From sexual to physical, uh, uh, physical abandonment. An infant, an infant has an imaginary figure when they feel abandoned or alone at night, they need comfort. An infant has the ability to imagine a comforting figure with them. So this stuff starts from very early on before we're even able to speak, uh, uh, art uh in, in an articulate manner. So when we're talking about a fantasy bond, Remember, this starts with creating that bond, this fantasy bond with our source figures. We imagine that we have a relationship with these people that doesn't exist. So it's a survival defense mechanism. It's like, you know, I think my mom hates me. She screams and yells at me all the time. She calls me names. She puts me down. She humiliates me, sometimes acts loving. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to get rid of the bad mama and just hang on to the good mama and imagine that I have a great relationship with mama, which is really a fantasy bond. And later in life, th these children doing this stuff, the child mind, must learn how to demythologize these figures in order to right. get back to reality. Remember, the purpose of the use of a fantastic imagination is to get away from reality. Much reality is denied in this scenario because what's happening is, is a person is experiencing too much discomfort. It's overwhelming for people to go through some of this stuff. And being shamed is overwhelming. You got to get out of it. One of the best ways to escape, up in your head. Right. I mean, this makes me think about like, no matter how much suffering people are enduring under the lockdown. So one of the things that I've been kind of blown away at, and again, not even coming from a point of view of I'm right and, and other people are wrong, just that we should be having real conversations about the the actual utility of the lockdowns. And so when I see statistics coming out from, you know, very well-respected organizations like eight to 10 million people in the United States have been impoverished by the lockdowns, 30 to 40 million people uh, are on the verge of eviction because of the lockdowns, uh, 250 million people worldwide are on the verge of starvation because of the lockdowns. And when I bring this up, it's like, People won't have that conversation. How many lives have we have we saved with the lockdowns? Well, I can show, you know, now uh, thirty that I've found thirty peer reviewed 
scientific studies showing that the lockdowns don't seem to have been very effective, certainly not when compared to the downside. So when I try to have these kinds of conversations, like people so badly want to believe that the lockdowns are worth it, that locking down harder is actually the solution. Uh, they can't, they can't hear that, you know, they can't hear these negative side effects that are actually happening in the real world. As you're talking about, it's almost as if there's been this mythology constructed around the lockdowns that they must be serving this incredible purpose. We all have to be suffering like this for a reason. Uh, and so those of us that are trying to bring up, you know, facts, uh, obvious facts, really, um, well-sourced facts um, from, again, reputable sources, then uh, they just can't hear it. They can't see it. They're looking at something else. They're imagining the world to be something different than it actually is. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's easier for them to imagine that lockdowns are the answer. We can get, everybody can get back to concerts and get back to work, get back to normal life. Just stay locked down. Yeah. <laughs> they imagine that as a solution. That's a lot easier, more comforting, and probably less tedious and less painful to believe than it is to really see what's going on on yeah. beneath all of these distractions, which is we've got a bunch of oligarchs and elites in our world that we didn't really know were pulling all these strings. And now it's in right. front of everybody that they are, whether it's the banking system, the political system, the schooling system, even the restaurants, entertainers, etc. It's all now out on the table. The public have seen it. But, you know, we said before, denial is not a river in Egypt. <laughs> when when right. life situations become intolerable and painful and too uncomfortable, denial comes in like a mirage in the desert. And there's all kinds of forms of it, like minimizing and theorizing and, you know, dissociation, distractor addictions. <laughs> Gaslight the <laughs> bastards. Yeah. Get them all. The moment they say anything truthful, remember, they're pieces of you-know-what. Right. So naturally, we've got people who don't seem to understand how to decode all of that. It's just too much information. Their brains are not being used, and, and nor are they, sorry, excuse me, they're not typically recruited in the service of having to decode all of this stuff. So mm -hmm. the, well, the lockdowns work, and that's, that's as good. That's all I need to understand. I just need to understand the lockdowns work, and I don't have to consider anything else because right. it's unimaginable. Well, let's this dwell. is unimaginable. She's a negative hallucination. And let's dwell for a second on this idea. Talk about a, a negative hallucination or is that people want to have so much faith that their government is the good guy. Um, and this is something that I run into all the time. If you try to say, you know, um, for example, what if it wasn't, what if it's not the Russians or the Iranians or the Chinese that are trying to steal the election? What if it's uh, American the CIA that's controlling this? Or what if the United States government is using propaganda against the American people, if they're using psychological operations against us? Well, people just can't imagine that. They, they, it must okay. be the Russians or the Iranians, and they can't conceive that governments use propaganda against people all over the world in every case, basically, and they can't conceive it's that their government is doing that to them because that makes them too uncomfortable, right? There's the what if. I mean, you, you, you're talking about the what if. Play that right to the end. What if? This is right. distorted thinking. The fantastic imagination, remember, is a deviation from reality. It sets people up for very unrealistic expectations. One of these expectations is 
you're a conspiracy theorist. You didn't get it. We know what you don't know. Tell them to produce the information. They can produce nothing. Mm-hmm. At that point, you become the POS because you challenged the thinking. There's nothing going on there. So the unrealistic expectation that you or one or another person who has evidence, who has real knowledge, provable, scientifically backed, based knowledge, and they are the ones being ridiculed for telling the truth. So what they're basically, in essence, saying is the expectation, of course, being that you get rid of this knowledge. You're bringing this stuff here. We don't allow that stuff here because that's busting our comfort. You see, you're encroaching on my comfort level. I have found comfort in my discomfort. How dare you come up here with this truthful stuff? Change back. You're ruining my coping mechanisms. Mm. That's what's happening. (laughs) And so when people get into this, I mean, it is totally unrealistic to expect somebody who knows the truth and knows the facts to behave as if they don't exist. Yeah. Just like it's truly unrealistic to expect to be able to treat people as though they are sick and expect them to behave as though they are sick, even though that requires the imagination. I have to imagine I'm sick right. in order to cater to your desire to give me treatment I don't need. Munchausen syndrome. Yeah, this <laughs> is give us your best sick act because we need to treat you. Right. Uh, this is reminding me of the the that's, story. That's of all the, imagination. Sure, the story of the emperor that wears no clothes. Right. I mean, everybody is pretending like he's wearing the the most incredible, most fashionable clothes because but fancy nobody, what he's wearing. Yeah, <laughs> because nobody uh, fancy nobody, what he's wearing. They would rather imagine that the emperor is is uh, is doing this incredible job, or everything that that the authority figure is saying must be perfect or untouchable. Uh, or inarguable, uh, and the concept that the emperor is actually naked is just way too humiliating and embarrassing and too uncomfortable. And so this coping mechanism kicks in, which is the fantastic imagination, where they just imagine the emperor is wearing, you know, the the most, the latest, most fashionable design. Absolutely. Listen, I've got whole families engaged in this stuff in this mystified role playing. Yeah. Okay, stuck up in their heads, unwilling to see reality. Maybe one or two people within the family unit, they get it. But the messages I'm getting from people now are increasing in abundance. That people, as they begin to speak their mind and show their families that they differ in opinions, these people are getting ostracized. You see, they have challenged the family rule book, these unrealistic, rigid, inhumane expectations. Mm -hmm. The family tribe is saying, hey, where are you going? Believe it. Where did you get a big idea? You, you, You think you should believe that? You know, that's contrary to us. You know, you are now ostracized from the family system because you don't believe what the tribe believes. Yeah. So these conflicts are are giving rise to this, uh, you know, fantastic imagination. We got to pretend like we have a relationship with you, even though you believe stuff that we don't really believe here. Right. <laughs> you know, but... Well, isn't that actually you're welcome the to stay for thing. dinner? This know? is right. This is the huh? saddest thing that happens, even in the family it unit, is. but certainly in our in our friend circles, where once you start to think differently than the mainstream narrative or the narrative that's coming down from the emperor or the authority figure or the father, the dysfunctional father or patriarch of your particular tribe, uh, then instead of it's almost it's like it's this inauthentic. Suddenly, we're hanging out 
but we're not really hanging out, right? No. <laughs> I mean, once they no. know that you think it's a pseudo relationship. Yeah. Sorry, sorry so to interject. Sad. Please it's so allow. Sad. No, go ahead. It is. It's a fantasy bond. Right. They pretend like they have these relationships now. Everything's They're acting fine. them out. You know exactly. Uh, you know the people today, and I'm getting messages on this as well. It's like they are enthralled. You know the the new uh, secure landing strip, the new comfortable place is finding these like-minded people who get it the way I do. What's really going on, yeah. and that voltage of like-mindedness bonds people very quickly. It's like, oh, I've arrived at somebody who speaks my language. Right. I've arrived in a place where there isn't any of this denial BS stuff going on. Right. Yeah. And I can feel comfortable being me and expressing what I think, what I know, uh, based on my research, not going to happen with these, uh, you know, sleepwalkers, somnambulists who choose not to research or explore the vast canvas of information that either defeats or challenges their beliefs. Mm -hmm. And if that can't do it, their friends can't do it. And they're not allowing their friends to, you know, keep that interpersonal bridge uh, available between us where you can cross it. I can cross it. We can talk about this, but we don't judge each other for our opinions. We're open-minded and we're willing to share knowledge to confront people's mystifications reciprocally. D this is being therapeutic. These guys, people aren't interested in that. Remember, they're afraid. Mystification is a direct consequence of being placed in situations where fear is the primary emotion. Right. It's the wisdom and discernment energy of the child so long ago who was able to see what was going on in their environment. And in order for them to survive, they had to build that fantasy bond. They had to allow themselves these unrealistic expectations uh to remain because again how are they going to survive they're dependent upon their mystified parents mm -hmm. for their very survival so they're being trained in mystification even though in the earliest of times they resisted this they fought for their psychological lives children do that naturally but after they get you know uh, uh, uh exposed to these elements off so many times repeatedly it starts to now you know seep into the brain conditioning and then at some point they close that brain and they say okay i got how to parent myself and how to relate to other people thanks i will take over from here and they continue on with that family's belief system the fantastic imagination that leads to unrealistic expectations that leads to you putting your parents' faces on your girlfriend's face or other source figures' faces on other people you're with. Right. And it causes you the conflicts in the same vein that they are occurred with your parents. Right. And just people don't even know that they're doing this. Just reliving the cycle of violence without actually discovering the root cause of their uncomfortability. They're avoiding what makes them uncomfortable. And that create that and that causes them to imagine and then perpetuate the same family type bonds that they've had that they had growing up um and so it's a, you know the, the only way to get out of it is to take a step back to understand what's happened really basically to all of us growing up in this culture 
and uh, learn about how to heal yourself emotionally. I, I wanted to come back, take, take a step back and talk about that emotion of fear, because that's what I feel all the time when I bring up my personal point of view, which is that individuals as adults ought to be allowed to take care of themselves in terms of their healthcare choices. You know, if they want to wear a mask, if you want to social distance, if you want to stay at home, how you want to deal with the fact that there's disease in the world is up to each adult individual um, to make those choices for themselves. And, and I don't think it's a crazy notion, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I think it's a perfectly legitimate <laughs> point of view. And it just shocks me that to go out in the world and mention this to uh, the, the majority of people these days, it instantly elicits this fear response. I mean, you can just tell that they're instantly uncomfortable even discussing it. And um, and then they kind of typically even lash out. I mean, they're shaming, there's some kind of aggressive behavior. They start calling me names. Uh, and I just have to kind of stand there and be like, I mean, now these days, especially on social media, where it's just so easy for people to like explode on you for having an, an alternative perspective, or I wouldn't even call it an alternative perspective, well, just a different perspective that's just as valid, you know? Um, and so you can tell that it's really fear-based well, she, and that they've been triggered into this kind of fight or flight situation where they just have to fight with you and, and then shame you for hurting everyone by not advocating or pushing for the mask mandates or whatever it is. All they're doing is really describing their inner lives to you. All that projection is not about you. That all yeah. that vitriol is not about the person in re the, the receiving end of it. It's about the person delivering it. That's why it's abuse. It's not about the other. Nobody can create the other person's responses or behavior. Responses are chosen, many of which are unconscious, especially the ones that are very attacking. I've always said, whether it's attacking, skills are lacking. Yeah. So yeah. we've got to understand in a, in a basic sense, what is mental health? What is mental illness? And I've, I've said before, uh, when I've done seminars on this stuff, the, you want to apply this to it. Mental health is the, a sense of well-being, uh, a sense of self-acceptance, the capacity to love and the ability to relate. It is the capacity to work productively without encroaching on the rights of others. Mm. That's what mental health is. So in the absence of any of those traits, we're closer to mental illness. So if, if you can't have the ability to relate, self-acceptance, uh, the capacity to love and to work and learn productively without encroaching on the rights of others, if you can't do that, Clearly, it's time to explore what's happening behind the eyeballs because that's where these problems originate. They start in childhood, but they are manifested in adulthood and they're relived in the adult environment when any relationship will trigger these old tapes playing. All it needs is a similar situation. The right. amygdala, the seat of memory, realizes that this is something that resembles the past. It's going to guide the response. You're going to say it before the thinking brain has time to ponder what's going on or what the consequences of those thoughts and words could be. Well, we're not fantastic gonna... stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we're knocking on that 30 minute mark, but I wanted to go full circle and talk again a little bit about the Great Reset. And that made me, when you mentioned it right off the bat, I started thinking about this utopianism and how the fantastic imagination really 
uh, influences this idea of creating a utopia. A lot of people, you know, I mean, it's easy to just imagine a perfect world. If only we all acted like this, then we could live in a utopia. And, um, and I, you know, so I've spent some time thinking about this idea of utopianism. It's a lot of times there have been these sort of socialist utopians, utopian uh, communities and such, which I have no problems with communities per se, when people voluntarily choose to participate in something like that, then that's a great social experiment and go for it. But, uh, but also a lot of times this utopian thinking then is used you in You better tell the cults, listeners right? what utopian means. Right, but you better tell our well, your listeners what what you mean by utopian uh, uh, culture or existence. You better I, make that clear because I have an answer for you. Okay, yeah. I mean, let's see what you got to say. I mean, I would just say because of thinking about it in terms of like the Great Reset. Right? I say there's they're no shortcuts to nirvana. Right, okay. right, and they're and they're imagining that there is. They're imagining there's that no if shortcuts only I had to control. nirvana. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's, it, yes. that's just it. If, it's only, if only it's easy to imagine a perfect world. And if only you did what I told you or, and then that's where in a lot of cases, these communities can end up being uh, cults with cult leaders. And you've got this narcissistic group or this narcissistic personality that's running a utopian society. That's a very controlling authority figure. And people get sucked into it because it sounds just so perfect. And that's, I think, what we're seeing with the Great Reset a and this a guy, Klaus Schwab, right? <laughs> well, Adrian Eiser, I spelled this out a few years ago in her book, The Dominator Society, what she calls the Dominator Society, where she talks about these, uh, you know, hierarchies of madness. Mm -hmm. we, we don't have shared power. We've got, you know, a bunch of control freaks running around. They've got to control everything. Right. I mean, remember, the more out of control a person is, the more controlling they become. That's the great paradox of controlling people. The more out of control they are, the more controlling they become. The more they got to guard the situation because it's about to spin out of control if it doesn't have their control over it. <laughs> Whatever that is. That could be a relationship. That could be a professional situation. Uh, it could be, you know, controlling a car where the person believes they know exactly what they're doing until they wrap themselves around a pole and then they go, oh, I guess I lost control. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so, so, so it's very interesting, this great paradox that the more controlling a person is, oh, sorry, the more out of control a person is rather, the more controlling they become. So look at all of the evidence of that today we've got a lot of control freaks in yeah. our globe in our world right now that have been exposed and people are starting to get what the corruption is all about and the moment they start broaching any of that stuff isn't even controversial anymore but the moment they broach those topics they're shut down you're a conspiracy theorist you're some label these right. labels are old anymore they don't work they're inapplicable. This is no longer controversial about what's really going on. If you think it's controversial, uh, uh, controversial, you're a little behind the times. No problem. Go do some more research or talk to somebody who's transcended the belief that there's a bunch of conspiracy theory going on. Because everything you're talking about today that we thought was an imagination, yeah, you're just imagining it. What do you get an idea? Come on, you're crazy. They start pathologizing you. Right. They think that your Projecting. imagination's a little messed up. It's all projection. It's yeah. all projection. Because everything that they told us was a conspiracy theory back in May, April, May, and June, when people started to go, oh, what's going on here with this vaccine? It's not even a vaccine. It's just a 
colorful way of concealing the fact that that there's liability with what they're doing. And so if they put it under a vaccine, nobody's liable. There's a great escape hatch. But but people are are awakening to this now. And there's many more people that are questioning their narrative. We don't have enough yet because fear is the prevalent state of mind right now. Mm -hmm. I say it's a prevalent state of mind because fear is the only chemical emotion that alters brain chemistry. So people will continue to cling to that which is not true. They will continue to demonstrate unrealistic, rigid, inhumane expectations and level these expectations on other people, family members, etc., expecting them to conform to the tribal narrative even though that tribe has not done their homework. But well, the one member they're attacking right. is currently up to speed. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, it is amazing. The I minority mean, lives. The, the minority of those who know it. Sure. And we're seeing this fantastic imagination, both in um, making, I think, the coronavirus look more dangerous than it actually is, according to the scientific literature, and then the solution, i.e. the lockdowns or the Great Reset, uh, more utopian than they actually are. Um, and so people are just being almost herded. Absolutely. As, and, and that's it's why, an illusion. Like you said, um, we're seeing, we're hearing it in their own propaganda. Reimagine, reimagine the world, you know, like, well, I can imagine the world is an incredible place, but it's not going to be, it's going to be what it actually is. <laughs> yeah. It, it is pretty fantastic <clears throat> that they've earned all this compliance. Yeah. That's an utter illusion that people are, are behaving like they're externally controlled. You can't see, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the puppet strings. They're invisible. But all these people are doing what they're told, exactly what they're told, out of fear. Yeah. Yeah. Because and, and there are other people, question. even though they never met. Yeah. See, it shows you don't have to be in the same room as somebody to manipulate them. You don't yeah. need to be within 10 feet of them to manipulate them. Just get a, a, a disordered media to go along with you to condition these believers and mm -hmm. just pound them with messages daily. And, and the education system. Cases. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The school yeah. system I'm very, very, very concerned about. They are entrusted with our greatest natural resource, our children. And what is being expected, inhumane, unrealistic, rigid, inhumane, unrealistic expectations placed on kids and therefore parents. See, they're using the children to condition the parents. Mm. That's how I see it. Yeah. If sure. the kid can do it, why can't you? Right. Is, is, is what the message is. The kids are doing it in school. You guys should be able to system ask, you know, don't be a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> just a, it's just a vaccine. Don't be a jerk. You know, don't be selfish. Spitting out all these indictments. The kids come home with this. The kids come home with this. Right. So I'm telling you, you know, we, we got to not let these teachers teach kids about COVID. I've got my own personal example about this from the other day when, when uh, my daughter's uh, tutor uh, delved into a conversation with my daughter about COVID. I've taught my daughter everything she needs to know, at least that I feel she needs to know. That would be important for her to detect and, uh, and listen out for because it's going on all over the place. And why did I prepare her for that? Because I know it's leaking out with even our, uh, our, in our educational institutions, whether those are private or independent uh, uh, institutions being run by tutors, et cetera. But getting into battling uh, a battle of the wits with, you know, children over COVID is absolutely inappropriate, in my opinion. 
absolutely it's a politicized issue right kids are not able to process that information it's knowledge that's inappropriate to age and for any teacher to bring their own opinions to the classroom in this regard uh without even themselves having the correct knowledge is a huge oversight to me well right on george i think we better wrap it up um do you want to you have any kind of final comments about the fantastic imagination and let people know uh how to get in touch with you well again yeah sure uh i think it's very important for people to really learn what it means to live in reality and to keep an open mind mm -hmm. to eliminate the need to lean on the use of the fantastic imagination which separates you from reality and it brings you closer to fiction which will hurt your relationships it will hurt you in the long run because at some point you're going to have to realize what is truly going on and right now there's no conspiracy theories everything they've been talking about they've delivered on so it's not conspiracy they're doing it so you've got to accept what's actually happening to you and your family definitely what how it's impacting you you know and your fear and be willing to talk about this with people who are willing to listen and not judge you this is the way to get out of the the, the use of the fantastic imagination and this is why people are so comforted when they can finally enter a group of people and feel so welcome uh, for their views and, and to the other people who are like-minded with these people. So I get that and continue to find these people. Don't listen to people that attack you. Don't listen to the people with these fantastic labels. They imagine you as a POS or a, a selfish, whatever you want to be. There's all kinds of labels out there. You've all heard them. Mm -hmm. Be mindful of this and stay away from these toxic thinkers. We don't need them. They have their own work to do. There's nothing you can do to help them. You're not going to wake them up. The best chance you have of waking anyone up is to work on your own A game and keep yourself in good tune and in good condition yeah. so that you can live a fantastic life without a distorted imagination. <laughs> I totally hear you. I mean, I think it seems to me like one of the, the biggest takeaway I'm getting from this conversation about the fantastic imagination is that people actually need to have a, a lot of flexibility you know, don't listen to the couple of experts that are that are uh, bandied about just by the authority figures, but instead listen to all the experts and then make a decision for yourself. You know, be open-minded when you're looking at a peer-reviewed scientific paper that says something besides what you're hearing from the authority figures. Uh, and keep in mind that, you know, there's a lot of different perspectives out there in science and look for those peer-reviewed papers that say different things besides what you're hearing just from the authority figure or the few experts that are being thrown out there by the authority figure, because we can all imagine that what the authority figures are saying are the best for us, but that's just a, an imagination. That's not reality. In reality, what's best for us, only you can know the answer to that question. Uh, and so I think being open-minded to as many different points of view as you can expose yourself to, and then making the choice for yourself uh, is really the best way to go forward. Certainly, it's the way to go forward if you don't want to be manipulated by those who are claiming some type of authority over you. Uh, and Correct. it's so easy in this day and age for people to be manipulated in this way. I mean, our culture has basically been you know, founded or predicated upon this idea of, of having authority figures. Uh, and so many people are just uh, used to uh, and bullied into, and we'll talk more about bullying later, but 
um, bullied into uh, believing that the authority figure must be right and being feeling ashamed or, or feeling uh, less than worthy if they think differently than the authority and, and getting away from these yeah. negative feelings and learning how to make decisions, uh, being an individual making those decisions uh, for yourself is just so important to be emotionally healthy. So, Well, Hopefully. the path of freedom lies in the direction of questioning everything. Right. So let's make sure we do that. Begin to distrust what you think you know and question everything. Sounds That's like a where plan. reality is going to be. Cool. And what's uh, what's next week going to be? Number eight. Do well, you have it? we're going to move into uh, the identity trance confusion. Now, that's a very interesting one. Cool. Um, uh, basically, that's when the enmeshment phases take place. You start to behave like other people and you right. forget who you are. It's coming. It comes from deselfment. So, yeah, that's going to be a very interesting uh, uh, episode. Sounds great. Identity trans confusion. Be looking forward to it. And where can people get in touch with you? Media at thelioninternational.com. Follow us on at the line media Twitter, at the line Canada on Twitter, and the line Canada on Instagram. Sounds good. And you guys are uh, still organizing those uh, protests every week in Toronto, correct? No, we've stopped because oh, really? of all the arrests going wow. on, the police abuse. Remember, we just talked about this yeah, yeah. the other day. The police have taken on a new coloring where they're bullying and intimidating and assaulting the people uh, into denying them their rights. It's just wow. phenomenal. So now we're online. We're doing a lot of legal. Okay. A lot of legal cases going yeah. on. We're working with lawyers. We're working with paralegals to get people's stories out there and into the media. We have a slew that we're working on right now. So I would imagine at some point soon, people are going to see uh, live service to these companies who are participating in the violation of our human rights in this country. And we want the public to see it. The public have to see this going on. Some of them are afraid to admit that they're being violated. Right. I think what our effort in this regard to defend the innocent people uh, should be displayed for the public to consume and understand and see it for themselves that this is not allowed. You're not yeah. allowed to hurt and abuse our citizens anywhere in the world, any country, at any age. Stop the abuse and get responsible and understand what the law is and your policies will never, ever supersede them. Well, I want to thank the line for the work that you're doing up in Canada. And I, you know, I wish that we had more uh, of this kind of a protest movement happening here in the United States. You hear almost nothing about it. And now uh, police pressure has gotten so intense, even up there, um, that you've had to stop doing the weekly protest. So that's very sad to hear. Uh, the right of assembly has truly been uh, essentially eliminated over the last year. And yep. it is uh, it is really it's really unfortunate that's going on. But thanks for at least maintaining the the legal presence. And we'll keep hitting them that way, because, I mean, we got to we got to do what we can do. Um, but, law and order, uh, law and order. You, you we, We've got to have the rule of law. We've got to have the rule of order. I mean, if you take those things out, you've got chaos. Right. And right now we do have chaos. We have a lot of disorganization. We have our own police who are able to lay charges and enforce laws and rules that don't exist to the exclusion of the ones that do exist. And the venue by which people would typically rely on for remedy is closed. All right, George. Well, thanks for coming on and, and doing this one with me. And we'll do another one next week. I'll just let the audience know that this has been the Psychology of Lockdown series, episode seven. 
We've been talking about the fantastic uh, imagination. Next week will be number eight, Identity Trans Confusion. So stay tuned for that one. And I have been your host. My name is Doug McKenty. I typically am the host of the uh, long-form interview show, The Shift with Doug McKenty, which you can find at www.theshiftnow.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Uh, think about subscribing for the long-form interviews, the full-length, feature-length interviews. And uh, you can also catch me on uh, YouTube or Facebook, or I'm on Minds and Float and Gab and many other social media platforms, uh, either under uh, Doug McKenty or The Shift with Doug McKenty. I'm at D McKenty on Twitter. So you can get in touch with me on any of those platforms. But again, always trying to get people to go to the website where we all have more control. We don't have to lean on third parties uh, to allow us to have the conversations that are so important to have during these trying times, www.theshiftnow.com. So uh, stay tuned again. We'll have another one out next week. Thanks again so much, George, for doing this with me. I think I, I really hope that we're helping to kind of wake people up out of this trance-like confusion and this fantastic imagination and these other things that people suffer from uh, in these uh, patriarchal cultures in these colonized cultures where we have to endure living in these hierarchies. Uh, and so many of us have been uh, conditioned and emotionally damaged into just doing what we're told and not being able to really think critically uh, and accept alternative perspectives from uh, people who are yeah. not quote unquote authority figures uh, that are sanctioned by uh, the higher ups in our society. So uh, hopefully we're op opening some minds here and uh, healing some minds as well. So uh, thanks again for coming on and we'll talk again next week. Thanks, Doug. You bet. Take care.